Amen, right? Amen. Hey, take your seats, get your Bibles out. Let's open them up to 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, you want to continue in our series uh, that we've been looking at through the month of June. This series will go on, at least the title of it, right through the summer. But the series, Ready, Set, Go. And uh, the four messages for the month of June, the uh, first one was a message that I did um, t- on the topic of elders, who they are. What, what are the characteristics, what are the qualifications uh, for an elder? And then uh, Matt preached a message on courage. And last week, Pastor Jason preached a message on the church. And church, what do you do as you follow leadership in the church? And so today, we want to take a look at a message on the topic of elders what do they do? What do they do? You know, I think virtually every occupation gets asked that question. What do you do anyway? What do you actually do anyways? You hear people who um, talk about teachers and they'll say, well, you know, you show up at 8.30 for school and you leave at 3.30 in the afternoon. You work for six or seven hours a day and, and then you uh, get to go home and, and then you get like week off at Christmas and another one off at March break. And for goodness sake, you have this whole summer off. Like, what do you do? Um, sorry to all the teachers. If you're a lawyer, You talk to a lawyer for 30 minutes and you get a bill for two hours. What do you do? Uh, Construction workers on the side of the road, you see them there and there's like eight guys on the side of the road. It looks like seven of them are standing around watching one guy work. What what do you do? Um, Computer people. I don't understand computer people, but computer people, you you call that work? Like you sit in front of your screen and it looks like you're playing games all day. What do you actually do? And then there's athletes. Athletes, you hit a ball with a stick and run around the bases and you call that work. You chase a puck and try and put it into a net and you call that work. Or even worse, you're a a stock car driver and you drive a car that only turns left and you call that work. What do you do? Um... Have I offended enough people so far? Okay, try this one. Hey, pastor, what do you do? You show up for work one day a week, and you only work half of that day. What do you do? Lots of questions about what people do. Lots of questions about what happens in the church. Today, we want to talk about elders. Elders, what do they do? What's their responsibilities? What, what's the makeup of who they are and what they're called to? And, and so when you think about the elders of a church, like you think about what, what do they do? What are they called to? You know, around here we used to use a term, the elders are responsible for the doctrine, discipline, I'd put um, discipleship with that, and direction of the church. That's, that's what their responsibility is. Um, that's what they do. They're responsible for oversight. They're responsible for guidance in it. And First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 4, I think gives us some sense of what this is all, all about. So let's stand together. We want to honor God as we read his word. First Peter 5, verses 1 to 4. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ as a well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples 
to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to look into your word today. I challenge our hearts. Stir in us, God, through the power of your spirit. Uh, I pray, God, you would give clarity so that the people in our church would be passionate to pray for the leaders of the church and, and lift them up in difficult roles, difficult times, and in times of great blessing. I pray for, uh, for the men who will be the elders moving forward and ask, God, that you would uh, prepare their hearts. This is a serious cha- uh, task, a serious charge, and yet one that you call people to, and so we rejoice in that hope. So lead us in your word today. Give us ears to hear what you have to say to us, minds to comprehend it, but then God, uh, willing lives to live out by faith for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks. Uh, Take your seats and what do you do anyways? The big idea for the message today is this, being an elder, no small task, one big God. No small task, one big God. Um, you know, I've been thinking this week a little bit about what it means to be an elder and um, how God calls us to this and the opportunities to serve um, as an elder. And, and so I, I would say this, if, if, um, if you believe or think that somehow the guys who are the elders of the church, this is a, it's just like a glory job and and you just get to go and boss people around and tell them what's wrong in their lives and, and tell them what they need to do and, and don't understand the weight that goes with that. You don't understand what it means to be an elder. Um, I think about some of the things that are happening in our church or around our church this week. Um, so if you think of the, we're in it for the glory. Some guys say, just in it for the glory. Um, we have a one man in our church who um, had some seizures this past week or so. He's been unwell for a while and as a result has uh, had his license taken away from him. And um, how do we care for him? How do we love that person? How do we care for their family? How does a small group step up? Elders, elders carry the weight of, of those kinds of things. Um, I did a funeral yesterday for uh, someone attached to our church who took his own life. Um, See, it's not always about Sunday morning and people coming forward and all the great things that happen. And, uh, and so there's now a spouse who needs to be cared for and loved on and led through and all of those things. Um, on Tuesday, I'll do another funeral. It's not about me. This happens to be this week, and I'll tell you why I think this is all happening. But Tuesday, I'll do another funeral for a family that was attached to our church, and their son was killed in a, a single vehicle, a motor vehicle accident last week. And he's uh, 16, turning 17 years old, and his funeral will be on Tuesday. Um, I only tell you those stories so that you feel a little bit of the weight of what it means to be called to be an elder. Um, I'm so thankful for the men who are are looking to be the elders here, and by God's grace and in his will, um, this week they will become the elders of the church, and uh, Paul and uh, Dennis and Wayne and myself will have the privilege to serve you, but I've I've just been so encouraged that these guys haven't really stepped into this role yet, but in the situations I just talked about, they've already stepped up as elders and are already involved. Um, It's not about the you get to sit in the front row and see what God is doing because you do. There's great benefits of being an elder, but there's great responsibility in being an elder as well. 
So as we look into the text today, as we look into this topic, I want, I want you to understand and feel a little bit of the weight that goes with this responsibility so that you will pray for the men that God has uh, placed over this church uh, for his glory. So I want to take a look basically at four things today. Uh, here's the first is the foundation for what they do. If you don't have the right foundation for this, when you get into those difficult times, you're going to quit for sure. And so uh, Paul, uh, Peter starts out in this uh, text and he says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Uh, just a couple of things I want you to see out of that text about this foundation that Paul talks about being a fellow elder. Um, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Elders don't do this thing alone. We do this in plurality. Elders speak as they speak in plurality. It's a team that God is putting together. It's a team that God is using. And, uh, and so we have that hope. But Paul talked about that. He understood servant leadership. Or Peter, I mean, understood all that. He understood servant leadership. Peter was, this is the guy who was, you know, jumping out of the boat, walking on the water. This is the guy who was talking before he acted. This is the guy now as he talks about these things, we see servant leadership written all over him. And a foundation of an elder for what they do is that we do it together. We do it in plurality. We serve one king, but we do it um, as we serve. The text also says, as a witness of the suffering of Christ. Um, Peter had the opportunity, I guess even privilege to actually see uh, what had happened to Christ. He, he saw firsthand what Christ had gone through. And, um, but that point, a witness of the suffering of Christ, um, they saw it, and it became their motivation. It became the true foundation of, of what they were called to do and what they were doing. And they were going to finish the work that God had called them to as followers of Jesus Christ. Hey, elders in the church... Elders in the church serve the church because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. We serve in plurality. We serve to serve others. The main reason that elders serve, they serve so that they can serve their Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. It all goes back to living out from the gospel. If it's not for the gospel, let's stop wasting our time. Just go join a country club somewhere once COVID's over, go join a country club somewhere and just go have fun with your friends. It's, it's so much not about that. This is not a country club we're a part of. This is a family of God, fit together by God. And, and because of the gospel, the gospel that saved us, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of of, of the work of Christ in his coming and his dying and his resurrection, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ that makes us right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. My sin is gone. Like all of that, you know, you've heard that all before. All of that, the work of this gospel that, that we received as a free gift, it's all been just poured out on and given to us. See, that's the motivation. That's the foundation for why elders serve. You take your eyes off of that as an elder and you quit. Let me tell you, it's not worth it, except for that, except for that. 
Because then you do get to sit in the front row and you do get to see people get saved and you do get to see uh, baptism stories and you do get to see marriages restored and you do get to all of those things. You, you get all of those things, but it's all based on that foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the charge for me, the charge for the elders is don't ever lose sight of that. When it's hard, when somebody's in your face, when they're saying things that just aren't true, and it's, remember the gospel. Remember what Jesus went through. Remember what he did. It's about the gospel. Um, if you come to this role for the glory, you certainly will quit. Fellow elders, a witness of the suffering of Christ and partakers in the glory to be revealed. Um, we're going to come back to that a little bit as we uh, come to the end of the message on, on you know, what do, we, what, what do we get out of this? What happens from this? But I want to spend a chunk of our time, though, today talking about um, elders, the work that they are called to, the work that they are called to. What, what do we do? The, these men who are going to meet at the table, these men who are going to pray together, what, what, do we, what do we do? And as I said in the first message, uh, in our training with the new elders, we, we used a book. Um, uh, the book was entitled Gospel Eldership by Robert Thune. And uh, if you want to get it and read it over so you can pray more effectively for the elders of this church, you could do that. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, but, but we went through that book and all through the whole thing and just like learning from it, helping us. And, and there's some sections in there what elders do. And so uh, for the sake of integrity, I'm telling you, I'm stealing a lot of stuff right out of that book, right? Nothing new under the sun. The Bible tells us that. But give credit where it belongs. It's been a helpful uh, thing for me, even in my own growth. And uh, so what's the work that elders are called to do? The text says in verses 2 and 3, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shame for gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. Elders are called to shepherd the flock. We're going, to be given, uh, we're going to give an accountability for what we did in shepherding the flock, pastor them by caring, feeding, directing, preparing the way, um, for, by, by loving on them, exercise oversight. This is the idea of a bishop or an eldership, and, and it's all tied up in one, being a pastor, is to exercise oversight. The, the elders are responsible for oversight of the local church. And so you know, I think sometimes in our North American context where it's like everybody gets a say, everybody gets a vote, everybody gets a, that's just a foreign thing in scripture. Uh, the elders need to engage the church, they need to listen to the church, they need to hear from the church, but elders are called by God to lead the church. Um, they don't do it blindly, they don't do it outside of God's word, they shouldn't do it outside of God's will, but that's what we're called to do. And so, that, so there are a number of things in this, the work that they're called to do. Here's the first one, lead the church. Lead the church. And you do that by example and in the skills God has given you. Uh, J. Oswald Saunders has this quote, uh, they're going to put it up on the screen for you. Uh, J. Oswald Saunders said this, spiritual leaders are not made by election or appointment. Simply holding a position does not make one a leader, nor do taking courses or resolving to become a leader. Spiritual leadership is a thing of the Spirit and is conferred by God alone. I'm called to lead the church. Psalm 78, 72 says, 
With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. And through the life that we have and the skills that God has called us to, we are called to lead the church. It's done by exemplary character, not perfection. Elders are not perfect men. If, if I lost my job every time I did something wrong, I would lose my job every day. Not perfect men. A forgiven men, growing men, growing up in Christ men, seeking to be holy men for sure. And we shouldn't be what we used to be. That's that whole sanctification picture. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I will be, but I'm not what I was because I'm growing up in Christ. And elders are doing that, moving forward together but seeking to be exemplary when they, when they fail, when they fall, uh, they, they confess, they repent, they get things right. That's what elders do. It's done with exemplary character. We lead the church through that. And it's done by equipping the church, uh, by equipping the church, preparing people to do the work of ministry, Ephesians says, able to teach uh, 1 Timothy and uh, Titus say, um, elders are responsible to grow people up in discipleship um, so that people are reproducing in their walk. Small group leaders should be reproducing small group leaders. Elders should be reproducing other leaders in the church. A men's ministry leader should be reproducing men's leaders, women's ministry, young adult, all the rest of it. Look, the purpose of this is to prepare people to do the work of ministry. Elders, as part of their role in the oversight of all of that, have a responsibility for the discipleship plan, the discipleship structure. How is the church reproducing, growing? All Ultimately, for them, reproducing other elders, reproducing other elders, um, men who are growing, men who are changing, men who are loving Jesus more. First thing elders are called to do is lead the church. That's a heavy task because it's not our church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. Lead the church. Here's the second thing. They're called to feed the church. Feed the church. They do that by treasuring God's word. And teaching it faithfully. The, 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 the part of feeding the church doesn't start on Sunday morning. It starts on Sunday afternoon for the next week of, of being in the Word, being focused on what God's Word says, treasuring God's Word in our heart. I love that God's Word uses the picture of food when it talks about the Bible a lot. As newborn babes desire the sincere, the sincere milk of the Word that they may grow thereby. Or um, Psalm 119, 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Uh, Matthew 4, 3 and 4, as the tempter came and said to him, this is to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become like loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Um, Psalm 119, 11, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 1 Timothy 4, 6, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. That's what Paul said to Timothy. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Elders have a responsibility to feed the church of God. 
Now, they need to be taking care of themselves in that. We'll come back to that in a second. But then they need to be taking care of the church. How do we do that? Well, by praying the word. Something I'm learning more and more, trying to do more and more in my life is praying the word of God. Um, Elders need to pray the word of God. Feed the church by praying the word of God. Uh, Feed feed the church by preaching the word of God. Uh, Take the whole counsel of God and preach the word of God. We need to counsel people from the word of God. The last thing somebody needs to come in and get my advice about stuff when it's spiritual help that they need. They don't need my advice. They need the word of God. The power is not in my advice. Now, my advice might be scriptural, but, but they need the spirit of God to work. God's spirit works most powerfully through his word. And so elders not only pray the word and preach the word, we need to counsel through the word. We need to sing the word. We need to sing the word. Uh, two of these families I talked about in the illustration at the beginning of hard things that people have gone through, we've, we've sent them some songs to listen to that are based out of God's word. Um, sing a new song. The Bible talks a lot about singing. Um, the Psalms are, most of them are songs that people sang. Um, we need to sing the word of God. And then as elders, we need to feed the church by living the word of God. Living the word of God, the things that God is teaching us, that we need to be living those things. And as I said, when we, when, we, when we make a mistake, we need to own it. We need to make it right. When we sin, we need to own it. We need to make it right. We need to live out before the church the word of God. Because not only do we have a responsibility to lead the church, we have a responsibility to feed the church. Here's a, another thing. Elders have a responsibility to protect. To protect the church. Uh, There are false uh, teachers. There are wolves that are in the church. There may be wolves in the church this morning. None of you look like wolves. Wolves don't come into a church and look like a wolf. They come in, they look like a lamb, uh, but they're wolves. And uh, in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 to 31, it says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church which he obtained with his own blood. That's the value. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that um, for these, these three years, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Elders have a responsibility to protect the church. First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus. Just, they're just filled with warnings to look out for false teachers. Look out for false teaching. Look out for things that just aren't true. Um, watch how the culture infiltrates the church and takes our eyes off of what God has called us to do. We're going to look different. We're not going to be accepted by the world. Um, The world hates God. And by extension, is not going to accept the things that we believe and trust and hope in. And so when people come and they try and water things down and go, no, no, we don't need to stand for those things. We don't need to be able to. Does God's word teach it? Is it clear? Then we stand for it because it's important. We have to protect the church. We watch for false teaching, like you just, you just uh, name it and claim it, and God will give it to you. 
God wants you to be rich. He wants you to have a three-car garage and a boat and a cottage. And that's what God, you just need to have enough faith for that. You know, the guys who teach that just don't read the Bible. They just don't read the Bible. They don't understand what Peter went through. They don't understand how Paul spent most of his life in prison. They don't understand how Stephen was stoned for his faith. We're never promised it'll be easy. As a matter of fact, we're promised it will be hard, but but our citizenship isn't here because we look forward to something so much greater. Elders have a responsibility to protect the church, protect the church from false teachers who distort the church, protect the church from apathy. You know, one of the things as I watch as we're coming out of this pandemic is just watching for apathy in our church in my own life, in the lives of people in our church. We, we know we're going to move from 15% to 25%. In my calculation, that means we can add, I don't know, about another 100 people in each service. Um, and, and for those of you who are at home, some of you are at home, there may be health reasons you're at home, and I understand that. Some of you have different cares that you're working through or you're caring for someone still. I understand all of that. But don't sit at home and not come to church and allow apathy because you've become used to something to take your eyes off what God has called us to, right? Elders are called to call the church to, to, the, uh, to the work um, to protect the church, Protect it from apathy, from being lazy. Um, protect the church from sin. And protect the church from error in teaching. Um, elders, lead the church. Feed the church. Protect the church. How do, we, how do you do that? Um, well, one of the ways you, you protect the church is by guarding your own heart. By guarding your own heart. And my mind went back to Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Sheep are prone to wander. Not the most intelligent creatures in the world. They'll drink muddy water. They'll get themselves in all kinds of trouble. They'll, elders can be prone to do the same thing. Although we are shepherds in one picture in scripture, we are also sheep in another picture in Scripture. And we need to guard our hearts so carefully that God will work in us and use us as we um, seek to lead his church. Um, We need to guard our own hearts. The work of an elder starts in his own heart. And then the second thing I say is by guarding the doctrine. Um, Right up at the top of the list, what do elders do? Guard the doctrine of the church. Guard the centrality of the word of God. Guard the non-negotiables. Understanding what are tier one things that we're not fudging on, we're not moving on. Understand what are things that are open for some discussion. Understand there are things that that we don't have clarity on and we're not going to die on that hill. But those things up there, those things up there, we're ready to die on those hills. We're ready to die on the word of God. We're ready to die on who is Jesus Christ and what did he accomplish. Those those are the things we're not moving on. God, God, help the elders to lead the church, protect the church, especially in the area of guarding the doctrine. And so elders lead the church and feed the church. They protect the church. Here's another thing, though. Elders care. Elders care for the church. Another way to say it is elders gospel the flock. 
keeping pointing back to the work of the gospel, pointing back to the grace of God, pointing back to who he is and what he's done. I love the verses in 1 Thessalonians 5, um, 12 to 14. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And so the first part of that verse, I'm not going to talk about it. That's what we were kind of covering last week is, you know, how does the church respond and how do you treat your elders and all the rest? But the last part, we urge you, brothers, the elders, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Um, There's some people who are unruly, irresponsible, or undisciplined, or lazy, and they they need to be admonished. They need to be challenged. Now, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. If someone's lazy and they won't go and look for a job, they need to be admonished. You just don't write them a check. You just don't hand them cash every week. Oh, no, you don't have any money for groceries. Well, there might be a reason. I'm not talking about any story in our church right now. I'm just saying if people are lazy, they need to be admonished. If people are, are, are walking in the truth that they think, because they're filled with all kinds of ideas and it's not filled with God's word, they need to be admonished. Part of what elders need to do, not a fun part of the job, is to admonish people who are irresponsible or undisciplined or are lazy. Some people are faint-hearted. Um, they're just despondent. Um, some people have been through a lot in this last year, year and a half, and your tank is empty and you're despondent. Um, They need to be encouraged. We need to encourage them. Other people are weak. They need to be helped. With all of these, patience is required. Patience from the Holy Spirit of God. Caring for the church is like being a doctor for the church. There's a triage that happens. There's a figuring things out and then prescribing the word of God. Not like, here's your problem. Read these verses. Like, take three verses. You'll be fine in the morning. Not like that. But getting people's focus back onto the word and helping them to see and grow. Patiently caring for the flock. Diagnosing, diagnosis, uh, diagnosis of disease and treating the illness. Celebrating health and encouraging wellness. Applying pastoral medicine of the word of God. Why? So that we can present everyone mature in Christ, Colossians 1, 28. Helping them when they are sick, when they are wounded, when they are overwhelmed, when the circumstances are difficult. Elders' job is to care for the church. Well, the next major thing I want to talk about is the attitude now and how they serve. If, if those are some of the things they do, how do they serve? Back to verses 2 and 3 of uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for, sin, sinful, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Um, says to do it willingly. Now, elders are to do this job willingly, not forced. You do it for Christ. You understand the bigger goal, the work of God in his church. The church is God's idea. It's called you to be an elder in it. And so you need to do it willingly. 
You need to have a willing heart. I remember talking with the three men who are uh, coming on board, Lord willing, and just hearing there's a willingness, not, a, not chomping at the bit to be, yeah, we're going to be the guys who get to run this ship. No, but a willingness, a willingness, God opens the door, I'm going to go through, and an eagerness, not for shameful gain, it's not about arrogance, it's not about getting ahead, um, 2 Corinthians 2.17 says, For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. We have right motives out of a passion for Christ. And then you do it as an example. As an example. I love the text in 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 6 and 7, speaking to the church, where it says, You became imitators of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia, in Achaia. This work is a calling, it's not easy. You know, you never get to take your elder hat off. We talked about this. It's not like, like I can just walk up and, and you know, I'm talking to somebody and say, I just want you to know I'm not speaking to you as an elder right now. Can't do that. There's no such thing. That, that, that helmet's welded on my head. Um, now, I can come and say, can I give you some advice as a friend? I can do that. But, but depending on how that conversation goes as an elder, you're going to have responsibilities of things that you need to do right? And so as elders, it's a calling. It's not easy. The spotlight is on you. Uh, Wayne and Paul and Dennis and their families, you're all looking at them right now. There's a spotlight on them. Do you want that spotlight on you, right? It's, it's a very humbling thing. And Paul could say, Paul could say in 1 Corinthians, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. He wasn't perfect. Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God as beloved children. See, elders are to be an example that people can follow. We're supposed to be a picture of like a little Jesus as you were, and people can see the reflection of Christ in us. That should be true of every follower of Christ. Uh, fathers, your children should see the reflection of Christ. They should see in you the characteristics of who Jesus is. Mom, same for you uh, in our workplace. Those, those are all true things for all believers, but they're true for the under-shepherds of the church. It's a calling. It's not easy. It requires consistency. You don't get to come on duty and off duty. You're not perfect. And there'll be no enduring relationships without forgiveness. And you serve with eyes of faith as we uh, seek to serve the Lord. That's the attitude, the attitude of willingness, an attitude to eagerly doing this, an attitude to be an example to the flock of God. Well, what's the reward? What's the payoff, you want to call it that? What's the reward for being an elder? Look at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd, Jesus, when Jesus appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. When the chief shepherd appears, when Jesus comes back, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. They understood what that meant. That was the picture of the laurel that you would get if you run, ran the race and you won. If you were in their Olympics and you won, you didn't get a gold medal around your neck, you got flowers around your head, but they would fade, they'd be gone. What we do as elders, what God has called elders to do, has an unfading crown of glory. But here's what I want you to see. Although there are huge benefits, I, would, I wouldn't trade what I do for anything. 
Because I, I get to see God working in people's lives, and there's lots of times we see that in a regular basis. I, as I would say, we sit in the front row and we get to see God working, but, that, but that's not why. The unfading crown of glory. I believe ultimately we'll cast back at the feet of Jesus Christ because of all that he has done. That's the reward. The reward is not on this side. The reward is on what will come. 1 Corinthians 3 says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold and silver and precious wood, excuse me, and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. But it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, we will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. That verse applies to all of us, but it applies to the elders. Looking forward by God's grace, in God's mercy, in God's caring, in God's justice, in God's justice to an uncaring crown of glory. Well, so what? So what? My message today is designed so that you can um, pray effectively or more effectively for the elders. For sure, it's a challenge to the elders. It's a challenge to me. But that we would be men of God built on a foundation that seeks to serve for the glory of God. We would do the work God has called us to, to lead feed, protect, and care for the church. We would do it with an attitude that's willing and eager, seeking to be an example. And we will look forward by God's grace to the reward that will come, the well done, good and faithful servant. Not on this side, not on this side, but what God has for us in the days that will come. Church, Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who speak to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the way that you work and lead and um, guide in your church. Um, Father, we are in awe that um, you even love us in the first place. None of us deserve any of that, and yet Christ came so that we could have life and we could have have it abundantly. And Lord, you designed the church with you, the chief shepherd, and under shepherds, under the chief shepherd. I, I pray for the elders of this church, that we would be men of God who are focused on our Savior, Jesus Christ, not easily swayed away, not looking at the opinion of man, not looking for popularity, looking for what would honor Jesus Christ. And then, Lord, I pray you would give us a church. We'll rally together, serve the Lord faithfully for the glory of our Savior. We pray in his name. Amen.